Welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of the Scooby Dudes. We've got something very special for you this time. Uh, there is a costume swapping element in this uh, in this issue that we look at, and so to commemorate it, Evan and I have uh, dressed like each other for this episode of Scooby Dudes. We've uh, each dressed exactly like the other would. Evan, would you like to describe how you're dressed? Um, I'm wearing a. You're naked, Evan. Okay, I'll tell you, you're naked. I said, I said, let's dress up like each other before this. You said you would, and now, now you're completely naked. And I need to ask, to my credit, did you not try? To or my credit, is this? I took a sharpie and I outlined my ribs. <laughs> that that kind of hurts a little bit. And I'll say, you put a lot of effort into that bald cap. You put a lot of effort. Like you smoothed out the makeup. I can't see it. The the hairline is lovingly rendered pretty seamless yeah it's seamless it's well done what what have you worn well i've I've worn i think very well i've actually bought one of the same shirts that you own i it's a tight v-neck uh very nice color it complements my my form uh just as it does yours i'm wearing a giant belt buckle over my ripped jeans and and a pair of shoes your shoes actually that i fished out of your dumpster this doesn't sound anything like me i'm i guess i'm going by what you used to wear in high school Wow, why would you go all the way back? Why, we went to college together. Why would you together. be naked? Why not put on clothes for this recording? No, honestly, have you not gotten dressed yet, or is this what you think I wear? With this webcam, you can only see me from, like, I don't know, like, the belly button up, really. There's so many mirrors in your room. <laughs> so many mirrors. And they're all angled, <laughs> just so. They're all perfectly as if you play a lot of poker in your room. <laughs> I don't think that's how poker works. I don't think you want a lot of mirrors. Is that why no one plays poker with me? It's because I have so many mirrors all over the place. <laughs> this week, we're actually discussing a comic. Uh, issue number 92 of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Identity Crisis? Question mark, exclamation point. Uh, and on the cover of it, we see the members of the gang all wearing different, uh, not their typical outfits, other members' outfits. They're wearing each other's outfits, which is to say that Velma and Daphne have uh, swapped clothing, and Fred and Shaggy have swapped clothing. Not unlike, do you know what I'm, what I'm going to talk about? I don't. I feel like we've brought this up on the podcast before. I don't know what you're going to Then I'm surprised I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Not unlike Ryan and Chad in High School Musical 2 after their baseball song. Oh my gosh. We I think we have discussed this on the air before. And that was the case. <laughs> Here, this here. There's maybe the one hmm. instance where I actually double up on a show note because I love that so much. It's worth doing, and also here it here it makes a bit of sense. Scooby is also dressed up, but let's let's save that tidbit for after the intro, just to really get people deeper into the episode. Uh, we're going to be discussing this comic issue along with two other mini stories that are in issue number ninety-two. Find it. It's published by DC Comics. Read it, listen to us, or just listen to us talk about it. Uh, and lastly... Who are we? We are the Scooby Dudes. We, oh, we are the Scooby Dudes. We're two best friends. Uh, we're talking about our favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too, whose name is Scooby-Doo. I'm Luke. Uh, my name is Evan. And let's get right into the episode. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. So just to start with, you did say that the cover of this comic book says identity crisis on it. Question mark, exclamation point. Which, since this, this is published by DC Comics, 
I guess is a little bit of a, ah, uh, like you see what we did there? I thought, okay, so I don't know comics quite as well as you. I knew, I thought there was a pun in there, but I wasn't sure if I was misremembering something. What is the, is it identity crisis a thing? So, is it on crisis on earth, whatever? There are a lot of crises in DC <laughs> comics. There's final yeah. crisis, there's um, identity crisis, there's crisis on infinite earths. Um, identity crisis is the name of a, um, I guess it would be an event. And it's, it's been very well regarded, and then less well regarded as time has gone on. Uh, it depends on who you ask. But but just having crisis at all is kind of like a fun, like, ooh, like, look at us. look what, It's it's like if, if this issue had been called, like, the death of Superman. <laughs> is that, isn't it that level of specificity? Scooby-Doo, where are you? Flashpoint paradox. It's that level of... Yeah, Scooby-Doo, you know. where are you? This man, this monster. I actually like yeah. that, um, so never mind. <laughs> I, I really like it, but can we talk about the cover for just a second? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. You said in the intro, uh, Fred and uh, Shaggy have swapped outfits along with Velma and Daphne. To me, I actually saw this cover, and I didn't. it didn't look weird to me. Because all the elements I'm used to seeing are there. They're just slightly rearranged. It was like an optical illusion. It... I have to focus to see the weirdness in it. I chose this because it looks weird and jarring. Uh, it's granted. It does. When I pan down to Scooby, it does look frightening. That's when it, it goes from oh, is this weird to oh, this is very very strange. Scooby is. Uh, he has his his paws in the air. He's kind of like showing off, but he is wearing what looks to be um, a skin not skin tight, but a rather tight Scooby face mask over his own face which it looks identical to scooby but for i'd say three elements one his ears pop out of ear holes two uh around the collar you can see the cuff of it it's tied on by scooby's uh actual collar and three his eyes have eye holes and all three of them really make it look like a, a great dane that we're not familiar with has skinned scooby and is wearing his face it looks like he's Han someone a do another dog has hannibal lectured scooby oh yes absolutely is is halloween mask the one or is that freddy or jason i don't know but i it's think i think halloween like mike myers might be what you're thinking of but i'm i'm very much buying in i want to see the the circumstances under which they swap outfits because they do explain it here, unlike in High School Musical, where we're left to imagine the most exciting circumstances. Only, only the, the best. I was going to say the only best. the worst, but yeah, only the best. <laughs> really, I think that's like that's character growth for what? But was it Chad and Lucas? No, Lucas Grabiel. Chad and Ryan. Yeah. Lucas Grabiel played Ryan. Okay, we still need to, this is not related to the podcast, watch that Lucas Grabiel movie. Ooh, Food Boy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Dude, we need to second podcast suggestion. That's Food what I'm boy putting the in the show notes. Food boy. <laughs> Food we'll, boy. We'll review five minutes of Food Boy at a time. You know, in Food Boy, the crazy thing I read this on the Wikipedia page. Uh, Lucas Grabiel's character swaps clothes with people in every scene, but it's never <laughs> stated. They never. It's not a part of the plot. Would Would our podcast be called Food Boys or Food Men? <laughs> it could be. It could be Food Boys to Men. Food Boys to Men. Ooh, about a food boy. Oh, food, bo food boys don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, that one is hands down the best. Really? <laughs> Look, I'm already Me? thinking about starting another podcast. Now I think Ooh, I need boy. three. We th we can't keep doing this. We haven't even gotten past the cover of this issue, which has three stories within it. Well, I I do want to say, just for context for our listeners, the only other comic book we've done thus far has been Scooby Doo Apocalypse. 
which has been sort of this reimagining of the gang. There are monsters. They're sort of fighting their way through. Blah 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 blah. Um, it in contrast, Scooby Doo, where are you? Looks to be just classic Scooby Doo style episodes with the gang uh, depicted the way you would see in in the classic uh, style. Oh, we also wait, Evan. We also did Scooby Doo team up. You're right. With everyone with the buff bodies and everything like that, which was... All those buff bods. There were so many characters to juggle in that one. Uh, so yes, this is, you are correct, our third comic uh, series that we've done. Um, but it it feels very, uh, we've used the word classic. I don't know about Return to Form, but this is, like, this is what you expect out of a Scooby-Doo comic strip or uh, comic book. Uh, and one last thing, um, it is also an anthology style series. Which is to say that, as far as I can tell, uh, you don't get a full single, you don't get one story per issue, you get a number of different stories per issue. Or in this case, I'd say two and a half. Ooh, it's generous. As generous, you think that half could be less. We could go with a different fraction there. 2.2, 2.25. So the first story is called Too Many Sleuths. It's written by Ivan Cohen, and the pencils are by Walter Carzon. Too Many Sleuths. Too many sleuths. Too many sleuths. We're here at SleuthCon International, which is a mystery convention of sorts. Can I quick note on the uh, the logo of SleuthCon? Yeah. It's I'd say an uncannily realistic eye, with uh, within like a a magnifying glass. And I, I like the eye within the magnifying glass, but the flesh tone around the eye really makes it look kind of odd. Am I alone on that? Yes. Really? Because every time, okay, <laughs> more stuff than I'm alone on, I guess. Every time I see it on somebody's shirt, it makes it look like their shirt has a hole in it and they have an eye tattoo that we're peering Disgusting. through. Disgusting. <laughs> uh, again, I'm apparently alone in this. So SleuthCon International, uh, you did mention this a little bit earlier if you hadn't edited that part out for clarity, which is that... Um, Mystery Incorporated has arrived, uh, and they have, I was going to say notoriety, but um, fame. They're, it, it seems that they're f- famous. The person that greets them says, uh, having Mystery Inc. as the convention convention's special guest is a real honor. And throughout this issue, we see that, that Mystery Inc. really does have straight-up fame, celebrity at least within this subculture. So the person who greets them, his name is Mr. Fletcher, Eddie Fletcher. Eddie Fletcher not a white guy no he's an asian person and uh i, I want to say fletcher is a weird name to hear on him not because he's asian but because he's youthful he's he's relatively young i i don't know i feel like people change their last name to fletcher okay. after like age 80 <laughs> you know <laughs> i was just gonna say um for all of you fletchers out there if you're under the age of 75, what are you doing? I mean, seriously, come on. Maybe maybe they're actually making, like, putting the feathers in the backs of arrows. If they're actually doing that, hey, you know what? At any age, you're a Fletcher. That's, what? That's good. That's good. Hey. That's, that is pretty good. Eddie Fletcher, please call him Eddie. If I can just briefly piggyback off of the fact that Eddie is Asian... There are uh, a number of Asian people in this series, which I enjoy. Uh, it's a very populated issue with a lot of background characters, and I like that there's people of color, although I don't know that there's that much color, and I think there's only Asian people. I 
think that it is i honestly didn't really see any other asian people besides eddie i saw maybe like one or two other people in the background who were asian like they they do sprinkle in some oh wow you are correct but there's there's no black people that's the downside i think is that oh they they thought oh we're good here but it's predominantly white that's scooby media for you uh i i do see one black person in in a crowd shot the scooby gang is just here for the convention as special guests so Mr. Fletcher, or Eddie, is the one who has invited them, um, and soon after he sort of tells them that they're, you know, they're guests of honor, etc., um, he introduces them to someone whose name is Sam. And Sam is their biggest fan. Not only is Sam a huge fan, his family, uh, his wife Lay- Layla, his sons, James and Tommy, um, they run a booth that sells mystery incorporated memorabilia, and they're all big fans. It's not just the father, it's a family thing. Mm. And uh, I don't know if this is something worth talking about or wise to talk about, but they run a booth selling Scooby-Doo merch, essentially. But presumably, the Mystery Inc. gang doesn't get anything out of this. Is that weird, or is that worth talking about? Given that, we do almost the same thing. Uh, hmm... His family's booth of memorabilia, do they sell? Or do they just, um, display? Don't, oh no, I'm, I'm almost certain they say customers, that they, they use that kind of language. They're selling Scooby-Doo t-shirts. I mean, they've got Scooby-Doo t-shirts and Scooby-Doo masks and all this merchandise. So, yeah, you're right. It does seem weird for them to be selling stuff related to Scooby and the gang. And for, like, Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, Scooby, not to have known about their existence until literally yeah, right now. not to be getting a cut. I mean, get on the up and up. Just make a Patreon and then say, donate to us at this Patreon and then we'll give you the merch. You gotta at least clean, launder the money a little bit. (laughs) So we meet Sam's two boys. Uh, They're wearing t-shirts that have Scooby-Doo on the front and they're wearing cargo pants. And let me just say, I don't know what the, like, like when you edit something, there's like a style sheet. Um, and I, th- I like to think that for, for artists, there's also like a style sheet, you know, like, please draw things within these parameters. And I feel like for this book, they're just like, you know what the kids are wearing? Cargos. I think it's a convention. So cargo pants are par for the course. I think that the only other thing they could have done is draw stink lines over the majority of the, uh, <laughs> patrons. I was thinking, like... I was thinking cargo pants so that they can stick all that free swag into all of those, uh, utilitarian <laughs> pockets. Yeah, man, exactly that. I think the the only difference between this and a real mystery con is that there would be more steampunk detectives. Oh, I you know yeah. what? I'm sorry. I'm, I don't mean to throw shade at like a con attendees. I do. That's me. Hey, I do. I do want to throw that shade, dude. Can I? Have I told this before on the air that my older sister and her husband sometimes like to go outside of conventions and not go in, but just see the people going in and out like a little free parade. That might be the coolest thing I've ever heard your sister do. When she told me about it, I was like, that is so cool. That is like a cool indie movie thing. That's genius. That's like actually mildly enviable, I would say. Honestly, that sounds like an, an enjoyable afternoon. You know? It does. It sounds like a great idea. You're, you're sitting next to someone who, I mean, I guess you love and want to spend time with. And you're just guess. Ob- observing uh people who have like decked themselves out you don't have to go into the convention you don't have to pay any money it's a free show and you don't have yeah you don't have to deal with the press or the the lines or the costs or anything like that it's uh pretty cool 
Um, I think the only other way to experience a convention is as the famed special guest, which the Scooby-Doo gang is. Or is it? Uh, which we will get to later in the issue. We gotta chug along. <laughs> chug um, chug along. Mm-hmm. We will say that uh, they come and they see these kids. They're pretty stylish, I guess. I mean, they're wearing cargo pants, so I don't know. They notice that there are these empty mannequin heads, or like, I guess, naked mannequin heads. And then these kids, James or Tommy, I don't know which, says... Our collection of rubber masks from Mystery Inc.'s earliest cases. Well, the kids, they're not just gone. They're stolen by a ghost. And uh, that a ghost just suddenly appeared that looked like Edgar Allan Poe and stole the masks. To his credit, Shaggy's like, Poe? I'm not going to do the voice. Poe? Like the guy who wrote The Raven? And Scooby says, Revermore. (laughs) I like that both Shaggy and Scooby get the reference. Um, Or have the reference ready. Fred does add that Poe invented the modern detective story. Which is kind of a fun piece of trivia. He did, I think. Well, Poe is also kind of like the father of like Mm. a lot of modern American fiction. Mm. He kind of like really paved the way to that and also, I guess, marrying your cousin. (laughs) Yeah. um, He's a hero in every regard, I gotta say. (laughs) A true American hero. And that's why he's so honored here at MysteryCon. Uh, at first, the gang thinks, oh, it'll be easy to find a Poe in this crowd, but then we see that it's all Poe's, um, I'd say, like, what, Dick Tracy's and Sherlock, and Sherlock Holmes's. Holmes's. Yeah, those are, uh, like, the And possibly, three. possibly a, an Indiana Jones. Oh, you're right. I think you're right, yeah. It does not strike me as a detective. I would say no. Uh-uh. Also, where's Batman in this? This is DC. You would think, I want one Batman, the world's greatest detective. He's the world's greatest, you're right. You, there should be, you would think so. But anyway, uh, we also see, the only other people we see dressed up really are people dressed up as the gang, <gasps> which is pretty Luke, cool. there is a Batman. <gasps> no, where, 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 where? Look to the right. Oh, hot diggity dang. Yeah, we called it. Uh, yeah, we called it and then did not observe. Oh, ask and you shall receive. <laughs> we're, we're detectives in our own right. <laughs> we kind of are. Ooh, good on us. Flatter myself, I figured that out by listening to you. So there is a little bit of a, oh, let's split up and look for clues. Uh, Scooby and Shaggy very, very, very badly want to go to the food court. Fred says, no, 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 no. You guys have to go to the... Uh, Just a panel of some sort, The I panel think. room, right. Um, um, and they get s- uh, sidelined, sidetracked, because they see a door, and it says Scooby Snack Recipe Tasting. And they're like, okay, no, this is where we're going to go. At which point, they are mobbed by a number of their biggest fans uh, who will follow them. Um, a really, and the whole gang is thwarted by their fans. Uh, who will follow, sorry, let me finish uh. that. They're mobbed by a group of their biggest fans who will follow them until they love them. <laughs> uh, sorry, go on. Nope, that was, that was good. Uh, the, the gang is really unable to investigate this mystery because of these fans who are following them everywhere. Um, the Scooby and Shaggy are sidetracked from the Scooby Snack recipe tasting, which was a disappointment for me. I really, really wanted to see that. Fred, Daphne, and Velma are distracted in Autograph Alley by everybody who wants to mob them. Da- uh, Velma, in fact, is not able to get a signature from, or a, an autograph from Mrs. Watson's medical mystery star, Lori Hughes, which is definitely a house pun, right? It's Hugh Laurie. It's Hugh Laurie. But reverse. Yeah, especially because Hugh Laurie, I mean, the whole thing is a det- uh, Sherlock Holmes. Um, Hugh Hugh Laurie was never Sherlock Holmes. No, House, the TV show, is a Sherlock Holmes uh, take. 
Is it? It is. House, Holmes, his best friend and co-doctor is Watson. Are you serious? I'm dead serious, that's true. But he's a doctor. He's a doctor, but it's... <laughs> he's a doctor, but he, he investigates medical mysteries, and he's like a genius medical diagnostician. Oh my goodness, that's... I guess that... So it's a great pun here, and actually, you know, I didn't realize it until just talking to you right now that that's what this is. I mean, I made the Hugh Laurie connection, but I did not make the connection that House had anything to do with Sherlock Holmes. That is fascinating. And the Mrs. Watson is like the... Yeah, again, the Sherlock Holmes reference there. It is also really interesting in that, um, maybe this isn't interesting, but I think it's cool. Okay. Or a thing that I can share. Benedict Cumberbatch, they cast him as Doctor Strange in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he played Sherlock Holmes, obviously, in the BPC version, and I always thought that Hugh Laurie would have done a good job in that role. As Doctor Strange? As Doctor Strange. I think he has... I like his demeanor. I like his line delivery. You're right that that is a thing you can share. Um, but what I will also say is that the, I think the reason they chose Cumberbatch, and it's disappointing, is that he's young and movie star handsome. And I think Ugh, that's... Okay. Relatively uh, speaking. Movie star handsome? He's more more so than Hugh Laurie. Yeah, I mean, relatively speaking. He had to be British, so I mean, within reason. So, uh, But Hugh Laurie is a little older. And I want an older Doctor Strange, but I think everyone hit, has to hit this certain demographic, unless you're Spider-Man, in which case you can be right from the cradle. But that's a, that's a disappointing thing, is that there's no older people, really, in the Avengers. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is what, in his 50s? Is he? Yeah, I guess he is. Yeah, yeah he's pretty that's old. True. Um, the, the gang can't really investigate because they're getting swamped by their fans. In fact, they're all trying to run away from their fans. The gang runs into each other. They're all sprawled out on the ground. The gang is all taking pictures and videos of them with their phones. I, I dubbed this crowd, and I don't know if this is something that you're familiar with. I, I said that they were mobbed by Scooby Stans. Stans? I am not familiar with that. Is that the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure magic form or whatever? Yeah. No. Um, so Eminem wrote a song. Is it called Stan? It's called Stan. In which he raps from the perspective of an obsessed fan. Named Stan. And it's just like, hmm. named Stan. And he's writing to Eminem. And it's this whole thing. And so, like... Um, I think this is within the past couple of years, maybe, or maybe even just the past year, that people have started calling very fanatical fans stans. So a Scooby stan would be a Scooby fan, but who's very, like, like the people in this comic issue, very over the top. Yeah, they're a true nuisance because of it. And I, I also really don't like that they're taking pictures of the gang after the gang has fallen down. Velma's wearing a skirt, and she's... It, they feel compromised. I, I will say that I feel like this was at least looked and felt a little bit dated because of the cargo pants but to the credit of the artists and the and the writers all of the these scooby stands are uh, are wielding smartphones they are they're very clearly uh modern day phones they, they look to be iphone 5 c's because they are all different colors and all uniformly the same size and shape i, I thank you for getting the specific make and model uh it is it is my phone <laughs> this episode Sponsored by Windows smartphone. I'm really sorry, sponsors there. <laughs> um, uh, but you're you're right. That they are they're unable to uh, investigate effectively because the the fans keep calling them out and chasing them around and blowing up their spot. But I like the solution, and it ties in with the cover that we've seen. How how are um, they going to how are they going to walk the con floor without being mobbed? Well, simple. They'll just swap their costumes. Shaggy will dress up as Fred, Fred is Shaggy, Daphne is Velma, and Velma is Daphne, 
and people will think they're uh, mediocre cosplayers rather than recognizing them for the real deal. I guess they it's implied that they got their outfits from Sam's booth. Which they'd have to because everyone's different body types. Like, Fred would never fit into Shaggy's clothes, nor would Shaggy be able to fill out Fred's. And, and, and I don't know female clothes, but presumably there would also be problems with Velma and all of their All of their new outfits fit quite well, actually. Yeah, I, I gotta say, Shaggy looks pretty good in Fred's outfit. That It looks tailor-made. It's Fred bespoke. does not look very good in Shaggy's outfit. Fred looks terrible. <laughs> he looks like he's wearing a, a smock? Or like a... I couldn't define, like, the upper body thing. Like, I couldn't... Is it chain mail? Is it a smock? Is it a straight jacket? I don't know what it is, Fred, but you don't look... You're not pulling it it's, off. It's, it makes Fred look very shapeless. It really does. It makes him look like a blob. Um, two things. One is that Daphne says... Using the end of Poe's famous purloin letter was a great idea, Velma. And I will say, Luke and I both looked up the synopsis on Wikipedia, and then, for me, um, Sparknotes, saw that the synopsis was too long and did not read it. It's one of Poe's works that was a real definitive early forerunner to the modern detective story, which I know off the top of my head from reading it off Wikipedia. Um, yeah, my, my understanding is that in the purloin letter, the characters go to a convention are mobbed by fans and then decide to dress up as one another to uh, to throw the fans off of their set. To swap each other's outfits, but not across gender, of course. Which was a little disappointing. I kind of wanted to see that a little bit. But we do see... I kind of did too. We do see some gender swapping cosplayers outside of the gang. The disturbing part is what Scooby is dressed up as, which is Scooby. He's wearing a Scooby mask over his face. Which we, we did mention at the top. The other thing I wanted to say was what they're doing is not dissimilar to what actual celebrities or actors have done when attending like SDCC or San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I think one prime example, and I'll put this in the show notes if it is factual. Brian Cranston. Bra- oh, Sorry. okay, good. Then it is the, that is the thing. Brian Cranston factual. Um, walked around Comic-Con wearing a Walter White mask. And then he went up and pulled it off. And there he was, Walter White himself. Yeah, at the panel, he pulled it off. I guess those masks are very realistic. That's the believable part of Scooby-Doo's mask. A couple of things happen in quick succession. Uh, Tommy shows up, Sam's kid Tommy shows up, and gives uh, Velma a signed signed picture from Lori Hughes, Mrs. Watson herself. Velma had really wanted one, but was unable to because of, again, like the swarm of people who were trying to... Tommy... uh... That he's really sad his mom isn't there to meet the gang because apparently their mom is a huge fan. So I, I think at this point, there are they the gang then talks to somebody who's running a Poe stand called Stark Raven Glad. I think here's, here's the problem with Stark what Raven Glad. Um, Stark Raven Glad is a play on the phrase Stark Raving Mad. Oh gosh. And I think the problem gosh. is they spelled Raven like the bird raven yeah because it's when i think they could have spelled it like the regular like raving like stark raven glad and had the pun still make sense i I don't know why glad glad just doesn't cap that pun for me scooby and shaggy then stop by at a place called home sweet homes that sells candy and it's sherlock holmes which i think is a solid pun uh allison does say so allison runs stark raven glad and she mentions that she does she hasn't seen any weird pose um, but she knows about James and Tommy, 
And James and Tommy are total po-heads. Po-heads. Oh, the, the thing with kids is that their minds aren't developed at that age, so getting into po will really actually stunt their, their development and their growth. What I really like is after she reveals that James and Tommy are po-heads, Fred has this look on his face like, oh my. And Daphne has a look on her face like, oh my. Oh, wow, that's interesting. There's some cool expressions in the <laughs> among members of the gang who aren't really doing much at times. If I can direct you just back, right after, right when the gang changes outfits, can you take a look at Velma's face? She looks mischievous. So mischievous, like she's so pleased. She's tickled pink to be wearing Velma's, uh, excuse me, Daphne's outfit right now. And it's, it's just a little, just a moment. It, there's like a, an inner life there. Um, the gang... So the gang finally make their way to the panel room, which is where Scooby and Shaggy should have gone to begin with. They hear from inside, and I would have gone away with it too. Uh, and then they open the doors, and the entire audience yells, If, if it, it weren't, weren't for you meddling, meddling kids. kids. Uh, and we see that the speaker is a bald, well-dressed man who says, Thank you all. Good night. And the gang recognizes him immediately as Old Man Carruthers, who they had caught once posing as a swamp monster in a real estate scam. So he, he takes them out for a meal. I guess they're just at the food court. Finally, Scooby and Shaggy are able to go and enjoy fries and burgers uh, in a really disgusting... It's gross that Scooby is shoving food into his mask hole. He's mashing it against his mask. I don't know if... The thing is, I don't know if it makes it through the mask or if that's just gonna rest. This does not look like it does. It's gonna... He's gonna keep mashing it within the mask mouth all for the rest of the whole issue. He's like... He's like Cookie Monster trying to eat cookies. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. He it, just, like, crumbles them around the area. And it keeps falling, like, all the way down. Except these are not cookies. It doesn't, like... It's not a fun visual seeing the crumbs dry fall off. It's a sloppy burger. With what looks like ham on it. It's, they're steamed hams. They're steamed hams. <laughs> Timely. Uh, Mr. Crothers does take them out to uh, for a bite to eat, which is kind of surprising. They're like, hey, didn't we send you to jail? Shouldn't you be mad at us? And, and they say that, or rather Fred says that, because Mr. Crothers says, after all, I owe you. Why would he owe them? They're like, hey, we sent you to jail. You should be mad at us. But this kind of also plays into the economy around the celebrity of the Mystery Inc. gang. He's doing well because they sent him to jail. After he got out of jail, he found out that he could run the convention circuit. After all, he was one of their first uh, ghouls or ghosts. Um, and now he's doing very well for himself. Do they, do they say that he's one of their first? Uh, I think that it, it's implied. I think it's it's implied it's a while ago, but we, old man, he's not an actual villain. There's no, uh, there is no episode that he's based on. Oh, did you look that up? You factually? I did that? look it up. I, I checked it as much as I could, and I couldn't find one that it's based on. Can I do a little tangent here for just a moment, though? Sure. I There have been a lot of swamp monsters. Um, the one swamp monster I found that I thought it might be was from the Scooby-Doo comics, another series that aired not too long ago. And it kind of sent me down a little rabbit hole with the Scooby-Wikia, which I'll summarize very briefly here. There's a page for the swamp monster... The only thing it says on the page is the swamp monster was the disguise of Jed. Jed is a hyperlink. Let's click on that. Jed. Jed was the neighbor of Nathaniel. That's a hyperlink. Let's <laughs> click on Nathaniel. Nathaniel is a farmer. End. <laughs> That's the Scooby-Doo Wikia in a nutshell. All due respect to the moderator of the Scooby-Doo Wikia has helped us out All in due respect. many a time of need. Many, many a time of constant need. 
Uh, back to the meal we're sharing with Mr. Carruthers. He's uh, very helpful to them. Here's something... And giving them a little bit of context. That I do want to say about um, about this, this person who was once a swamp monster. Um, they call him Old Man Carruthers. But Old Man Carruthers cannot be, just judging by the lines in his face, judging by his character design, this dude cannot be older than, like, his early 40s. I was going to say 50 max, and he looks good for it if he is. Which says to me that this must have been recent. Because if they were calling him Old Man Carruthers when they locked him up, and he's had time to serve his sentence, come out, get involved in the convention circuit, he must not have been that old to start with. Or he couldn't, he couldn't be that much older now. Which I think is pretty rude of the gang let's let's say that this took place let's say that this took place three years ago yeah right and let's say that the gang is in their early 20s this means that they were in their late teens and they were calling a man in his then 40s old man carruthers which i guess when they're if they're in their early teens it makes sense that's old to them or maybe late this teens, was late teens maybe this was uh uh pup named scooby-doo era when this was but Mr. Carruthers does give them some uh, some advice, or he gives them a little bit of context. This is actually, I will say, I like to think that Old Man Carruthers, I'm just going to keep calling him that, has spent so much time on the, uh, what is this called, SleuthCon? Yeah. He's been doing this for so long that he knows what Scooby stands are like. Which is to say that the only people who would find these old masks valuable are Scooby stands. But Scooby stands, given that they follow Mystery Incorporated, who are crime fighters, for lack of a better word, would never consider buying stolen goods. That really narrows it down. Who could possibly have stolen these things, given that Scooby hardcore fan stands wouldn't buy them, and no one else would care about them. And that's when uh, that's when Velma kind of Velma starts pondering it. Maybe this isn't about the masks at all. And with a bit of old man Carruthers' help, they might be able to prove it. So they head on back to the stand. They see Sam there. Um, and Velma very confidently says, Mr. Carruthers is your ghost. He won't tell us where the masks are, but the police. And then and then she's cut off. But in that, can we talk about, let's pause there just for that panel. Imagine that we've only read that far right now. For a mi- When I read that, I thought Velma had actually just decided that old man Carruthers was guilty because he they caught him once before. She's like, eh, forget it. You know what? It's probably you. He's a repeat offender. He's exactly that. I'm like, oh, he served his time. Come on. Don't judge him like that. Why would he put everything in jeopardy when he knows what he has to lose this time? She doesn't want to see him out from behind bars until he's older man Carruthers. No, it, she's kind of like Scrappy in that one episode in San Francisco. I left my neck in San Francisco where someone serving their time is not enough. He, there's always, <laughs> always more punishment to be levied. Oh man, Scrappy hates criminals so much. He really does. Oh, so bad, bad stuff. But Velma's cut off from accusing old man Carruthers and getting the police on him. Someone, uh, Tommy and James, just off panel. Say no! No! We have to tell them, James. Mr. Carruthers didn't do it. It was us. And, and that's like Tommy is pulling James, and Tommy's like, come on, James. We have to tell them. And James is not resisting. He's like, it was us. <laughs> They're both such good kids. It was my idea, Dad. We made it all up. I thought the gang would, tra- would figure it out and track us down at home so they could meet. Me? Me? Mom! Mom! It's Layla. Layla, you should be at home resting. Uh, I'll turn right around and go home, but I wasn't going to miss meeting Mystery Incorporated. And we're reading a lot of this comic book verbatim. 
Um, but right behind mm. Layla is uh, Fletcher, Mr. Fletcher, Eddie Fletcher, and he's just standing there smiling. He's standing there smiling and doesn't say anything for the remainder of this con- This is the last page. But what's he doing? <laughs> what? Why were he he's, and Layla together? He's... <laughs> Especially because, hey, we didn't hear that she was sick before. This is the first time it's been mentioned. I think she's having an affair with Eddie. Layla was was homesick. You might think that we're being unintentionally crass, but I think that there's some... I think there's something there. Yeah, I think she's been... I mean, hey, Eddie's walking around with that big old hole in his shirt showing off his eye tattoo on his chest. Who could resist? It is weird that Eddie shows up right then, doesn't say anything, and in the last panel... He's laughing open-mouthed, and he's kind of, like, gesturing with his hand a little bit. It looks like they wrote dialogue for him, but then they cut the bubbles. Mm. Basically, it turns out, and we're just going to wrap up this story so that we can get on to the next and then on Mm. to the next. Um, James and Tommy are actually really good kids. They knew that their mom really, really liked Mystery Incorporated. They knew that she would be devastated if she were not able to to, uh, meet them. So they concocted what is honestly a very poor scheme. Uh, it's exactly like we said. They wanted the Mystery Ink gang to figure it out. They wanted to get caught at their own home. They wanted to get caught, but later, so the Mystery Ink gang would run into the mom, who was sick, air quotes. I just don't understand what kind of breadcrumbs they would have left behind for Mystery Ink to follow them back to their abode. I mean, yeah, they basically weren't going to do anything. Maybe they were going to leave breadcrumbs at the last minute once the convention was wrapping up. But as it is, they they only got caught because they admitted it, because uh, old man Carruthers was presumably going to go to prison again for something he didn't do. This all relied on those kids being very, very good little boys who were still bad enough to do this thing. So it's, I don't know what Velma was going on there. I mean, can you imagine if, like, they had reported that the masks were stolen to, like, convention security? It would have turned into this whole thing. Really, this is a victimless crime. Really what I'm imagining is Velma says, old man Carruthers did it. And she's looking at the kids like, oh, he's going to go to jail. And the kids are like, uh, yeah, we saw him do it. (laughs) (laughs) Call the cops on him. She's like, wait, no, 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 no. He's got a life now. Yeah, we saw him. Yeah, also, he touched me. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) No, 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 no. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, Velma, I said I'd help you. (laughs) (laughs) But, but um, then he does go to jail, and he spends 10 years there, but when he gets out, he hits the circuit like nobody else. <laughs> I think I think one of the things about the kid's scheme is that they say a ghost took the masks, but there's nothing... Well, they, that's right. They say a ghost took him, but then they say, dressed up as Poe. Why would they think it's a ghost? And why didn't we talk well, to the kids more there, about there's that? There's nothing ghostly, right, about the theft. Maybe if they were like, oh, they appeared, took the masks, and then disappeared. It's like, oh, that's ghostly. Uh, that's the end of Too Many Sleuths. Too Many too Sleuths. Too Many Sleuths. So that's that first story, Too Many Sleuths. Now we have Ravenous, the little maybe one-third size story that follows. So Raven, Ra- Ravenous, 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 whatever, acts as a little bit of a... I'm going to use a theater term and call it an interval or an intermission between what I guess are almost the two acts, if acts in a play were not related to one another at all. It's, it is just a short little yes. uh, respite of sorts. The colorist is listed as heroic age. Yeah, that just means that it is a, um, it's a company. It's very neatly done. I love the coloring in this. So it's, it's kind of like a coda to the story before. We're going to ex- have Shaggy 
experience the story The Raven. Uh, the Raven is a work by Edgar Allan Poe that Luke and I are much more familiar with. Um, it's mo- much more on the level of like a telltale heart or uh, the cask of Amontillado in that we're quite familiar with it. It's a classic work of literature or the uh, the pit and the pendulum. Ooh, that's, that is a I good one. I like those that are um, ooh, what was the other one? The, the house, the, the mansion, the, uh, the fall of the house of Usher. Mm-hmm. And that's all the Poe I know. The mask of the red death. I get that mixed up with the cask of Amontillado because it's also about the red death. Or the Black Death. Is it? Yeah, because everyone's in that place because they're avoiding the plague. Isn't oh, it? Oh, right. But in but in The Mask of the Red Death, someone appears at the party and they have the yeah. plague, and then everybody has the plague. The only part of that that's relevant here is the story of the Raven. Uh, quoth, nevermore. I mean, we all know the Raven, right? I'd say his most famous work, the one that he sold for perhaps the least amount of money. Yeah, and, and uh, there's that classic joke. Um, what is how, is... how is a Raven like a writing desk? Poe wrote on both. Yeah. Um, so it's it's weird. There's a little circle or a little, uh, I guess, a circular panel up in the top left-hand corner of the page. And it's Shaggy, and he's dressed up as Cupid. Yeah, a real cherub with roses in his hair, and he's popping candies from a chocolate heart box. Um, and he's kind of narrating it for us. So it's a framed story with him as the narrator. So, so the little Cupid Shaggy says... As one courageous and dashingly handsome young man found out one dark and rainy evening. And and for those of you, I'm going to tear into the meter of this. Uh, of this. Well, there, there is no meter. They, they don't want to, they didn't bother putting it into Poe's tight meter so it sounds like a rhyme. They just kind of stretched it out. And I, I'd say that's the joke they're going for, is that Shaggy has a meandering form of uh, manner of speech. So for those of you who have taken um, English lit classes in high school, you may be familiar with um, maybe reading this and like attempting to write in the same meter. That sounds like something an English teacher would tell you to do. Yeah, and, and meter is the, uh, the rhythm, you could say, of poetry. That's what they use in Britain. In America, obviously, we do it by yards. <laughs> so you are, like, I think the average part, person would recognize what i'm about to say which is mm-hmm. um once upon a midnight dreary as i pondered weak and weary that's mm-hmm. the beginning of uh the raven um and those and, two lines as i want they kind of have the same pattern rhythm to them here's here's shaggy it was nearly midnight and kind of dreary the rest of the gang went out to pick up dinner but me i was just too weary it throws the rhythm out the the pattern out the window Right as the raven comes in. For the first little bit, Shaggy's very frightened because there's a large... And ravens, corvids, um, can grow to be quite large as birds go. They're so cool. Um, but Shaggy at first is just like, uh, like, get out? Like, shoo? And then the raven, much like in the po- sto- poem, continues to tell him never more. And Shaggy's like, hey, you really have to get out of here. His reason for saying get out is because Scooby-Doo and Velma will be back any second. And that makes it sound like Scooby-Doo and Velma are the two people in the gang who would have an issue with ravens. Yeah, uh, Fred and Daphne, totally chill. Well, Scooby-Doo's a dog, so, like, I get it, animal instincts kick in, but what does Velma have against ravens? Yeah, you'd think that Velma would appreciate the intelligence of, of ravens. They're extremely smart birds. Corvids are some of the smartest. Um, but the, the bird keeps saying nevermore, and there is one part of this little story that I like. and it's... This is also, I think, the part that I liked about this. The series of really uh, horizontal panels where the color moves from the raven over to Shaggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and basically, um, 
it, it's as if someone were shining a spotlight on them. It's a circular kind of warm color, and at first it encompasses all of them, and then there's a little corner of black. And as the panels progress downwards, the black swallows up um, the, the warm tones. As the raven keeps repeating nevermore, and Shaggy starts to increasingly question why the gang isn't coming back, like maybe they ran into trouble, uh, maybe they found a mystery. Well, they would never go on a mystery without me, would they? It was so well paced, and it's so such a. It is. It is just so. I think engaging the idea of um, this this raven sort of wearing away at Shaggy's faith and trust in his friends. And it it really hinges on the colors working. I think the the bright orange Shaggy kind of classic colors, and the raven, which is all I mean, just blue on black plus the beak. Credit to Scott Peterson, the writer, but a lot to Tim Levins, who penciled this. Um, you can really see in Shaggy's expression uh, the sort of self-doubt, which turns into fear, which turns into despair in the last panel. They, they could have done this so much lazier. Without the background color, without the careful writing, or without Shaggy's expression changing so well each time. But it works in each case, and also I gotta give credit to my man or woman, Heroic Age, for some tight coloring. Yeah, uh, Heroic Age, probably a company. Um, Mr. Age, Miss Age. But but at the end of it, I, I did mention that Shaggy has fallen into despair. He does become resolute at the end of that. He says, I mean, we're Mystery Inc. We're unstoppable. And that's right when the gang comes back with the pizza. They say, hey, we hit traffic like you wouldn't believe. The gang thinks he's had a bad dream. Daph Daphne says, uh, yeah, I guess it was a particularly bad dream, huh? And Shaggy says, we're going to stick together like best friends do for, well, forevermore. And then we have Cherub Shaggy cap things off for us. That had, that was pretty freaky, but love conquers even the faintest of hearts. Now, why love? Why the, why the cherub, like, what, what is uh, the Cuban motif? thing in here? What is that adding? Yeah, what does it have to do with this? Why does Shaggy have to narrate We might it? not be as well read. Uh, maybe we're not, like, the post scholars that we could be. But I think... If you if you have to have an extensive knowledge of Edgar Allan Poe to understand this weird like Cupid narration, it's not good. I, I don't think it's that. I think it's just uh, they, it's almost like the Greek chorus they wanted to do. I don't, I don't think they really knew what they wanted. They wanted Shaggy to narrate it because it's a narrated poem, but I don't think they needed to frame it with the Cupid. And it's also a very very short thing. I mean, it, it makes sense why they did it here because Poe was a big part of the preceding story. I will say that when I first read this. I did not like it very much at all, but upon a reread and upon a little bit of discussion, I actually think it's reasonably successful. And I and I think that him saying forevermore is kind of the warm and cheesy, mm. that classic Scooby-Doo ending. You take out Cupid Shaggy, and it's a win. Yeah, Cupid Shaggy doesn't really do anything. And I, and I say that um, I didn't love the meter, but the, the poetry falls off after the first couple of pages. Um, so for our listeners, uh, this episode has already gone on to what I want to call an average length, and we don't want it to be overly long. So what we've decided to do um, is the third part of this, uh, and I'm going to uh, read what it is right now. It is called In the Spirit. It's by Frank Strom, who wrote it, and Scott Neely, who drew and I guess colored it. We're going to save that for our patrons. Yeah, we're going to do a little uh, a brief discussion for Patreon. So if you want to hear the last part of this issue discussed, uh, come on over to our merch table at patreon.com slash scooby-dudes 
and uh, donate a little bit to hear a little bit. Uh, what we're aiming is for that, I guess, the, the second part of this episode, the third part of this comic, um, to come out uh, next weekend, or the end of this week when this episode comes out. Yeah, so uh, check back in then, but donate immediately, and enjoy the outro presently. Is that an okay stop? No, that's fine. I mean, it's not that funny. Well, let's let's keep working then. Let's wait until we get to find something funny. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, it's getting. Fu- I feel like it's getting funnier. Do you want me to ask you more questions? Yeah, ask me questions, man. I'll be real funny in response. Uh, so I asked you about. Um, I asked you if you ever thought about sandy cheeks. <laughs> you, you mean the the squirrel from SpongeBob? You asked me that, yeah. I asked you if you... I don't... By the way, I don't like that the answer to that first question is becoming yes. <laughs> I'd like you to stop asking me that question before it becomes a firm yes. Um, I asked you... This is all for our listeners. This is all at the, before we started recording. I asked you if you, you wanted me to eat one of these popcorn flavor packets. Yeah, that has like 57% of your daily amount of sodium. Uh, it's... But the answer to that is still firmly no. Uh, the third question, uh, which I was my favorite, is... Oh, Yeah. How many dating profiles out there do you think say, um, I'm single and ready for Pringles? It wasn't how many, it's why don't more? Why don't more dating profiles say that? And that one, I don't know. I still don't know. I haven't developed. I didn't get the answer by talking to you during this episode. (laughs) Do you have another question or were you just repeating those? (laughs) When people talk about... When, you know that tongue twister, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could, could chuck wood? wood? Yeah. I think whenever I imagine that, I always imagine a woodchuck chucking wood being like a woodchuck like biting on wood. I always assumed that's what it was, but I never really I never really connected it to a visual. It was... But when you... Oh, I mean, Sally, but when you she sells seashells it. by the seashore. You can imagine that. Woodchuck chucking wood. I have no idea. It could be like chucking wood like a Scotsman in a contest, you know? Uh, the Faber toss? Or... Is, no, that's not what it's Tabor called. Taber toss. Is that what it's called? Would they toss the log? The Taber toss. The Faber toss is the fictionalized version of it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, but I guess, I guess if you think about it, a woodchuck chucking wood would be a woodchuck picking up wood and bodily hurling it. Hurling it end over end, I think. I, I don't think, I think just chucking is just throwing. Or, or, is it a woodchuck vomiting wood? <laughs> How much wood would a woodchuck upchuck if a woodchuck upchucked wood? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm asking. Well, Google Images is not a lot of help. I'm going to be honest, almost all of these have been done by children. <laughs> <laughs> this appears to be a question that people just stop asking past the age of 10. Oh boy, and that's, is that Woodchuck's doing it? Yep. (laughs) I don't know why I expected otherwise. You have to turn safe search on, man. (laughs) Filter explicit results. There's that, but there's another box for filter explicit Woodchuck results. And I did not have that checked. In fact, you have to go through animal by animal and do it species for species. Uh, though if you check off human, it honestly covers most of the bases. Yeah, most of the bases. But and where where can you follow up with us and get more Scooby Doo? Thank you for joining us for that episode. Are we are we in the outro right now? Have we been recording the outro this entire time? We've been. This has all been outro, man. Oh, good stuff. Great stuff. Good episode. Good times. Where can we go for better times? Let's, let's sort of reverse this a little bit mm. um, and just remind listeners, if you want to hear the last part of this episode, 
Mm. And honestly, we feel like we've given you a lot of content. For this episode, we covered like 1.5, I would say say two. We covered two comic book stories from this issue, issue 92. At the beginning of this, you weren't even going to give that second part half, but it's got a hole now. Now it's got a hole. I I like it. Um, Nice. And we, we gave that to all of you listeners gratis. Gratis for nothing. Pro boner. <laughs> I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> Are you going to bleep that? I guess it's not terrible. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, uh, it was pro bono for you too, listener. Um, oh, yeah. that was good. Mm, that's better. Oh, I'm glad I took a second swing at that. <laughs> that was, I mean, first try. Nice, Dodie. Um, so that was free, but we, we have an extra little bit that you can go on patreon.com slash Dudes to listen to. And that's the final part of issue number 92 of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The series, uh, in the spirit. So please, go to patreon.com, donate a little bit of your hard-earned cash, and listen to that extra little tidbit. And that's not the only thing you can get for it. No, um, you will also get... Uh little like behind the scenes uh, work in progress art gifs for all of our title cards uh luke writes bad jokes mm-hmm. i put extra show notes in there a uh, little bit of a dry spot as of late uh as of this week though i'm back on it gonna start scheduling out a bunch of stuff um not only that we'll say your name on the air not just the first time you donate though we will give you a big shout out the first time you donate but every single week we we want to say our d- beloved patrons names i, I want to go out I want to go out on a limb right now and say no other podcast is doing this. No, none. I mean, they'll shout you out the first time, maybe, maybe if you donate or give but a review. every week? Every single week? Every week? Nah, nah, dog. We take the time, like we're going to do right now. Thank you to these beloved individual listeners. Yeah. There has also been a dry spell on our social media, and that's because this has been a roof week for me. Uh, but if you go to facebook.com slash scoobydudes or twitter.com, we're at the Scooby Dudes. Both those places, I throw content out there, and I have a little bit of a backlog to schedule. Yeah, and you know what I'm going to say? Evan does a lot of work on these places. Maybe, listeners, you can hit us up for once. Huh? Maybe give us a little bit of content on social media. Tweet tweet some Scooby memes at us uh, so we can respond to that. Gordon sends no? me Scooby content all the time. Well, obviously, this is not for Gordon. Gordon, calm down. <laughs> Gordon, stop. Get, at least ping the memes to someone else and then to us. Proxy them to us to get some more, like, involvement here. Get those numbers bumped up, bro. Um, those are rookie numbers. But for what it's worth, the social media, at the Scooby Dudes, facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes. Shoot us emails at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. And definitely visit our website. I'm going to say, uh, just for all of our listeners, we have a really big surprise for you next week. This is, uh, in some ways, our biggest episode yet. Definitely our biggest event yet. So uh, please stay tuned. Please come on back next week uh, where we have uh, an extremely, possibly the most special episode we've ever had as the Scooby Dudes. It's been a long time in the works. It's, I think, definitely the one I'm most excited to do. So it just can't emphasize enough. Come back next week for that episode. Well, assuming it happens next week. Just how about this? We've got a very exciting episode coming up for you very, very soon. Yeah, I guess that's about it. Oh, iTunes. Do we have any new iTunes reviews? Because we do give our iTunes reviewers love. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not loving any new iTunes reviewers. Well, that's because they haven't given us any love. So come give us love on iTunes. Evan will read whatever you write on air, assuming what you write is five stars. Or the review you give us is five stars. Give me love. 
That's uh, that's one of one of my favorite Ed Sheeran songs. I wanna know what love is. I'm gonna link to my song in the show notes because I like it more. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, this was a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Thank you, Evan, for talking it out with me. I love you, Evan. You're a great friend. And I love Ed Sheeran. Cool. That's cool. I, I like Ed Sheeran, too. It'll get funny soon. Let's keep it going. <laughs> do, you have any, do you have any questions for me? Let's keep it going. What's your favorite Ed Sheeran song? Oh, dang it. I mean, a different question. <laughs> um, no, wait, hang on. Um... Like the fire on the mountain thing that came after The Hobbit? Oh, boy. <laughs> Never mind. Let's end this before it became funny. <laughs> the fire on the mountain thing that came before The Hobbit? You know what? This is the part where I end. 